Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy. Welcome back to Energy Analyst Talk. With the U.S. having transitioned to a new administration earlier this year, it's no surprise that there are big changes to oil and gas regulations, especially impacting major crude oil pipelines. To discuss some of these changes and their industry impact, we welcome Elizabeth Murphy, who covers North America for ESAI Energy. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hi, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. So, Elizabeth, on President Biden's first day in office, he revoked the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline in keeping with his broader policy goals to combat climate change. Is the Dakota Access Pipeline at the same risk? Well, the pipeline is at risk, but there are significant differences. Mostly in that Keystone XL had not yet been built, whereas the Dakota Access Pipeline has been operating for a number of years. Um, that said, the courts have ruled that DAPL is operating illegally since the easement was granted without a proper environmental review. The politics are also striking. Uh, since the decision to revoke the permit for Keystone XL, about 20 or so states have signed on to a lawsuit against the administration's action. And President Biden has made climate change a huge priority, that's true, but he also knows he will need bipartisan support to enact meaningful changes. I suspect that a decision to shut down DAPL would elicit even more backlash, since it's very possible there would be ripple effects. So from a loss of jobs, a lot of capital that was invested would be lost, and the loss of state revenues. Sounds like the administration may very well decide it's easier to stop a new investment and new projects rather than shut down existing ones. Yeah, the court challenges have become very complicated as U.S. environmental policy has swung back and forth over the years. But no doubt about it, shutting down an existing pipeline uh, could set a standard and have massive implications for other pipelines or infrastructure that are opposed by different groups. So the next court hearing on Dakota Access is coming up on April 9th. What are the expected next steps? Well, uh, leadership roles in federal agencies are changing. And in January, the Justice Department asked for a delay so the Biden administration attorneys could get up to speed on the case. So at the next hearing uh, coming up, we should find out how the Army Corps of Engineers intend to move forward since a new environmental impact statement or EIS must be conducted. The Army Corps of Engineers could decide to shut the pipeline during the review process or the plaintiffs led by the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe could seek an injunction by the court to shut the pipeline down. Is it fair to say we basically have three possible outcomes? Uh, The first, it continues to operate while conducting a new EIS. Uh, Secondly, it shuts down temporarily while new EIS is conducted. Or third, the administration decides to shut down the pipeline outright. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. There are many legal nuances and timeframes associated with court procedure and rulings, but I think that covers the basic outcomes, yes. I see. And uh, if a shutdown happens for the duration of the EIS, what will be the immediate impact? A shutdown, whether temporary or not, would have a pretty quick impact on spot prices. So prices for Bakken crude in North Dakota would essentially weaken to reflect the higher cost of transport in getting crude to markets. So as other pipelines fill up, shippers would have to rely on costlier modes of transport, such as rail or even truck. 
Um, before DAPL was built, the discount averaged around $5 a barrel. Currently, to cover the rail cost to the Gulf Coast, the discount could widen to as much as 8 to $10 a barrel. Is there enough rail capacity to handle all the crude that would be diverted from DAPL? Well, dependence on rail was a part of everyday life uh, in the Bakken prior to DAPL. There was probably close to a million barrels a day in rail capacity back then. So for example, rail volumes averaged, I think over 700,000 barrels a day in 2014, with some months reaching well over 800,000 barrels a day. Uh, since DAPL was built in 2017, rail volumes have declined, um, averaging only around 250,000 barrels a day. So some of that capacity has been inactive since DAPL started. I think currently there could be about 700,000 barrels a day of capacity that could be tapped relatively quickly. And it would be surprising if midstream operators were not uh, already planning how to ramp up capabilities in the event of a DAPL shutdown, uh, including reactivating more rail capacity. That's a good point. So what markets do you think would see more Bakken crude sent by rail? Well, most of the crude sent by rail currently goes to the West Coast. Uh, about two-thirds goes to refineries in the Pacific Northwest. But there are definite uh, limits to that since the state of Washington initiated measures to cap the amount of crude by rail coming through the state uh, for safety reasons. Uh, the other third currently goes to East Coast refineries. But there are limits to that as well, based on how much refinery demand um, there is. So the most logical growth in crude by rail would be either direct to the U.S. Gulf Coast for export or to connections to the Gulf Coast by way of the Midwest. And are oil prices currently high enough for Bakken producers to start increasing their drilling activity, especially while Dapple's still operating? Um, theoretically, yes, current prices are high enough to profitably cover the cost of drilling and completing new wells in the Bakken. But I don't think we'll see any surge in new drilling this year. Capital budgets have already been set. Fiscal discipline is expected to continue. But that means producers are completing their very best duck wells to keep production rates up while being more cautious about adding rigs. Uh, the rig count is still pretty low in North Dakota. It was just over a dozen uh, that are operating now. Assuming DAPL stays in operation and crude oil prices remain at the level we currently have, we'll start seeing more drilling and production will pick up in 2022. Current production is around 1.1 million barrels a day and would likely grow to um, about 1.3 million barrels a day if the oil prices hold up. And if DAPL is shut, even temporarily, will we see lower rates of production? Yes, I think so. Shutting DAPL would be a significant blow to the Bakken. Higher oil prices would blunt some of the impact of a bigger discount that would result uh, from a shutdown because costs could still be covered. I think it will depend a lot on producer expectations. How long a shutdown would last, the expected oil price in the future, and at what discount they would face. Additionally, it's good to remember a lot of acreage is held by production, which means that in order to keep their lease, the terms dictate a minimum level of production. And what about a prolonged shutdown? Yeah, a permanent shutdown of the pipeline and prolonged discounts uh, on Bakken wellhead prices would definitely discourage investment in new drilling. 
So we'd likely see a more pronounced decline in production. Uh, in this scenario, Bakken production would probably fall below a million barrels a day uh, in 2022. Producers that have assets in other basins with better access to markets and higher netbacks would likely prioritize their capital to those locations. The challenge is figuring out whether a potential shutdown during a new environmental review becomes a permanent one. In other words, conducting a new EIS does not ensure a positive outcome. And, um, you know, we, we may not know how this plays out for some time. Well, clearly there are a lot of potential implications regardless of the outcome, and I know you'll be watching these developments closely. Thank you for taking the time to discuss these possibilities and their impact. Thank you, Jake. Always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy.